Ben, the NBA season is over. The draft is over. Free agency has yet to start. We're in an interesting time to be a Raptors fan. Interesting is about the nicest way I could put it. But before <laughs> we do that, how are you doing? How's your summer going? You, you surviving? You thriving? I would say thriving. You know, the summer is great. I'm always way happier in the summer than the winter. The Raptors are the only thing that gets me through the cold winter months. And then the summer they're comes not around. helping much, are they? Yeah, this this year was a little tougher in the winter. But, you know, I would say I'm optimistic for next year. But I'm, I'm not. not. Yeah, <laughs> I think there, there are ways I could trick myself into being optimistic but we'll get into that later how are you doing Aaron how's your summer going? I'm doing good I also am a summer guy love the summer just being outdoors I don't know Ottawa is a beautiful city great lots of lots of outdoors easy to go for a walk for a bike ride play sports it's awesome um, but none of the awesomeness is due to the Toronto Raptors where do you want to start here, Ben? Do you want to start with the draft? Do you want to start with the trades that weren't? Do you want to start with how the season ended for the NBA at a whole? Where do you want to go here? The Raptors have a brand new coaching staff. There's a lot to talk about. I kind of want to start with the coaching staff because the coaching... So we'll recap for people that somehow are living under a rock here. Yeah, The Raptors hired a brand new head coach, Darko Ryakovic, if I'm saying his name right. I think I think you nailed it's, it. Cl- close enough. Um I'd never heard of him before. He was an assistant coach for the Memphis Grizzlies. He's been around the block a little bit. From all the stuff I've read, people have great things to say about him. But I kind of feel like that's true for every assistant coach that gets a new head coaching job. Everyone's always like, this guy, you know, he's earned his, he's paid his dues. He's really smart, like brilliant guy, great with all the players like no one ever has anything negative to say it's like kind of like politicians before they get elected everything's positive <laughs> and then you get elected and then you start getting blamed for shit yeah uh apparently or he's gotten a lot of the credit for desmond bain's development he is a he's a like a lot of player development credit in memphis has gone to him and then the raptors basically let go of all of their assistant coaches they had like 10 they're all gone they brought back uh, J- uh, Jama Malalela, if I'm saying that right. He he was on the on the Raptors bench for a long time. He coached the 905 team for two years. Then a couple of years ago, he went to the Warriors, and now I think he's back with for, I get more of an, a, an assistant head coach role, uh, moving up the ranks with the Raptors. He was a he was a big player development guy for the Raptors, and then the Warriors poached him. So. I mean, those are like basically that's the only name I recognize. Uh, but this is going to be a totally brand new coaching staff. The Raptors have had very similar because even even when the Dwayne Casey to Nick Nurse transfer happened, a lot of the assistants stayed for that because uh, Nick Nurse was an assistant. So this Raptors coaching staff has had a ton of uh, stability over the years relative like Adrian Griffin's been here forever um so and then now he's gone and he said he had a coach in milwaukee so totally brand new coaching staff which is going to be i think exciting in a way that that we're going to see the raptors problem solve very differently and approach things very differently uh i don't think the previous coaching staff was bad at all in terms of the x's and o's i think they clearly lost the locker room or just the, the team chemistry was shot whether that was their fault i don't know but that gets a reset. But X's and O wise, I I think we're going to see things go very differently, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, and from the way the rest of the off season is trending, like the coaching staff was the only option for this front office for really substantially changing things. It looks yep. like the roster, by and large, as we feared, is going to be coming back relatively intact next season. No blockbuster moves happened at the draft, which is Gary the best Trent, time to, to do them, right? Somewhat like, surprisingly, Gary Trent opted in, so he's. I, back I don't next think that year. was surprising. I I just don't think there's a market for a terrible player, and the the 19 million he's opting in for is like way more than he's going to get on the market. So it's kind of like yeah, a bet on yourself well, move. Well, I I bet like I bet some team would give him like a three year. 50 million 45 to 50 million so. dollar deal i don't like, think that exists still for a good shooter. i don't know I, I think that he could have definitely gotten some more years but he's betting on himself here with this and thinking yeah. he can get a better long-term contract or Next an extension year. with yeah. the raptors this season based on how he plays so you know i 
it is what it is. Like I'm not I'm not a Gary Trent fan, but he's not. He he still can be helpful when he's playing well. Like yeah, he, when he when he's, he's playing maker. well, he's a good player. It's just that he doesn't really have a high floor. Like you know, yeah. If he's, if he's not shooting well, his value is awful. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's other rumors as well that Siakam. This it's week, not even rumors. This is just like reporting. Is that Siakam, if he was to be traded, would not sign an extension anywhere he was traded basically killing any kind of trade value he had he loves it in toronto and wants to stay here and that sucks yeah i mean i still would treat reporting as rumors it didn't come from siakam's mouth but yeah it it, it sounds like he is not interested in jumping to a more competitive team so the idea of like going to portland is just that's gone because the, if they have no guarantees of the idea of, of pascal being year, traded i think is gone yeah, yeah, it, his value is totally tanked. But that was really the only team that made any that, kind yeah, of sense. Yeah, agreed. So, so yeah, so Siakam's going to be back. Presumably, the Raptors will work on a long-term extension for him because you don't want to just let him walk after this next season. I don't think he wants to walk, so I feel like you should be able to negotiate a good extension. But yeah, whether hope, that happens hopefully remains there's something, to be seen. <laughs> yeah, hopefully there's something less than slightly less than the max for him. But like, you know, he's going to get paid like $40 million a season. Yeah, it's and atrocious. he's going to be worth it for at least part of that contract. He's he's still a good player. So, yeah. So the Raptors are bringing back all the same roster and then a new coaching staff that hopefully gets some different facets from their games. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. But Aaron, the draft. What did you think of the Raptors draft this year? So, again, if you've been living under a rock here, the Raptors graft, uh, drafted Grady Dick, who is a forward kind of guard player, six foot eight, uh, very good shooter, shot 40% from three in college. Uh, not a great defender, not a not a great athlete at six, eight. You know, he's, he's mobile and he can get up, but not a great athlete, not super strong but has a good size for his position and is a good shooter. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for this team drafting at 13. You know, you're the upside swings there when you're, if you're trying to draft for a star, those rarely ever work out. And this team just absolutely needs shooting. And if you have a player who can shoot and maybe hold his own on defense, that that's a very valuable player. Um, I don't know if he's as good a shooter as like Duncan Robinson, um, but maybe Duncan Robinson is like, a better athlete and getting less roasted on defense is a, is a good comparison. Um, so, you know, if, if he can turn into that, that that's a very valuable player. Uh, and it obviously fits around this team because this team just needs shooting at any and all positions. So I feel like he's, he should expect if he, if he can shoot, if he's actually hitting shots, he's going to get a ton of minutes on this team because they just desperately need it anywhere they can find it. So, I, I like the pick. I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't. I don't know if there was a lot of. Uh, I'm not a draft expert. I don't think there was a ton of players in this draft out, outside of the top two. Uh, not Brandon Miller, but that uh, <laughs> that you know I think have like superstar potential necessarily. So uh, yeah, I'm totally fine with it. What was your reaction, Ben? What's, what's your analysis? Yeah, at first I was a little bit disappointed that uh, Cam Whitmore didn't get drafted just because one of our other brothers that is also a big NBA fan, not on this podcast, was really hyping up Cam Whitmore to me. I didn't really do any pre-draft scouting, but from what all have read about Grady Dick, I think he's going to fit in great here. He he's so He fills such a huge void. He's like a taller Gary Trent that can actually pass the ball. Like he, He's a shooter. But he can. He's also a smart player. Like yeah, he, he is showed, a good basketball. He showed some like playmaking yeah. Yeah. ability. He he'll move the ball. He's gonna either take an open shot or swing it and keep the ball moving. Like he's not this black hole of a shooter that we're used to. So I think just offensively, he's really gonna help. I mean, it remains to be seen how much he can help in year one because defensively, like you said. He's going to be below average, at least to start. You know, there's, uh, there's optimism uh, that he can develop into an okay average. defender. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's optimism that he can develop into an okay defender, and he's got size to be a like a solid wing guy. But just that shooting is going to be so nice for this team. Yeah, <laughs> shooting know. off the bench, right? Fan. Like, yeah, 
yeah. So hopefully and he has a great to... name. So <laughs> <laughs> buying a Dick Jersey day one. <laughs> yeah. The, the Raptors drafted, I think someone that's not the normal personality that they go for. Uh, Grady Dick, I think got a lot of headlines, even though he was drafted number 13 overall because of the suit that he wore, which was extremely flamboyant, extravagant out there. Um, so yeah, a little bit of different personality. It might be a good thing for this locker room. I think there's a lot of like serious people and maybe they need a bit of a jokester in there. I don't know. Yeah. But, I think he, him yeah. and Scotty Barnes are going to mesh pretty well. He seems to have a very goofy personality. Scotty's got a little bit of that too. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to mm-hmm. change the vibes of this team. Hopefully like make people have a bit more fun. Cause last season was just it was a the opposite of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. Ben, do you think he's going to start for this team? No. No, but like 25 minutes off the bench, that kind of role? Yeah, because when we like, let's presumably we're going to, the team is going to try and bring back Freddie, try and bring (laughs) back Hurdle. Yeah, let's do our free agency and then we'll talk about what the lineup and the rotation is probably going to be. So they're obviously trying to resign Pirtle. I heard $20 million a year. Um, which I think would make me win that bet. Uh, yeah, they Gary Trent's probably going to be back. I don't think any, anyone's interested in trading for Gary Trent and a nineteen million dollar expiring. Uh, and then they they got to bring Freddie back, otherwise this team is going to be cheeks. So, so basically, bringing the team back from last year, Pirtle, uh he's got to be starting. Pascal has got to be starting. Scotty's got to be starting and then OG's got to be starting and Freddie's got to be starting. So I think that means Gary Trent is, is coming off the bench and uh, Precious Chua is going to be coming off the bench. Uh, Chris Boucher is going to be coming off the bench. Otto Porter and Grady Dick. I feel like that's like the nine man rotation, if you will. Yeah, I think there's a possibility that they might try and dump Chris Boucher to free up some salary because I think if they try and re-sign Fred and Jakob it's oh, going to be pretty tight for the luxury tax so yeah, yeah. then there might need to be a salary dump in there um yeah and, same with Thaddeus Young you could dump him yeah. too yeah so there's there's going to be someone that's cut here but uh, yeah, I don't I know think why they bring back Malachi Flynn he's on almost four million dollars that's a, a very good guy to dump IMO, but they already picked up his option for this season, last season, like total idiots. Yeah, yeah, that's a questionable choice. I don't think he's going to factor too much into the rotation this year. But that being said, you read off those bench guys. Once again, this season, there's a real lack of shot creation off of the bench, like guard play. Yeah. Gary Trent cannot be that facilitator guy. It's it's Freddie and Scotty that are gonna and and Pascal, and Pascal yeah. are gonna be your offensive creators and they're all in the starting lineup, so they're they're really gonna have to like well they're gonna stay the rotations yeah. yeah they're gonna have yeah. to they're gonna have to have one of those guys on the floor at all times, and Scotty's gonna have to take a jump if he's gonna be one of those primary offensive creation guys because last season when he was by himself out there as the primary creator things weren't great he like he wasn't up to that task. For sure. So, you know, that's a huge question mark. It would have been great to also get a guard that potentially could have some creation, fill that role that we've been desperate that's for. Just, it's Flinder really role. hard for rookies to come in. Like, even even if you got Scoot Henderson, it would be tough to ask him to come in and, like, actually be productive in that role. Being, like, people talk about, oh, rookie bigs. Rookie guard is the hardest thing to contribute to winning in, in the NBA. It, the jump is just so huge. So like, yeah, rookie picks I, I, can I make a it difference. It's so much easier to play. Yeah. In free agency, an offseason trade, like if you're swapping out Chris Boucher, potentially you, you can trade him to another team. If this for, team wants to like compete, a backup guard. Giving uh, giving uh, Thaddeus Young and Chris Boucher to the Washington Wizards for Tyus, uh Tyus Jones, like yeah, presumably you know. we'd have to give up some draft capital. Then yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe a first. guy like Monte Morris is now the backup in Washington. Yeah. Maybe he's available for a protected second round pick or a something couple, like couple, that. couple second yeah. rounders, yeah. A, a protected first, that kind of thing. Yeah, like th- there needs to be 
some backup guard play here to not let Freddie play 40 minutes a game. And also like if Freddie gets injured, like this team, you know, we've seen what happens to this offense and defense when Freddie gets injured, it just craters. Right. So, you know, if he misses a month, you, you know, you can't win two games in a month. Right. And if you're hoping to compete, so yeah. yeah, but, but like, finally they have some offensive weapons off the bench <laughs> last season. <laughs> feel like so much of the season, you just have like, precious and chris boucher coming off the bench and your offense craters and it's just so ugly to watch even though like you know th- they're trying their hearts you out you think grady dick's rebounds. gonna make that big of a difference I think he gives us hope for having spacing <laughs> off the bench it's like even if he's not great as a rookie you just want to see those promises for the future right like this team even if they're running it back they're still not Ever, they're not going to be a real contender so i'm just like looking for those glimpses those bright spots him hitting a few threes making some nice yeah plays when he gets run off the line yeah if he's Scotty just like Barnes a taller him, developing Corey chemistry Kispert, you know yeah yeah and he's 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 19 too so he's young and there's opportunity i think here for him to develop more of an offensive game i'm not expecting that year one but you know just seeing a flash every now and then <laughs> yeah yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice. I think I think it helps. I don't think it's going going to like really transform the Raptors bench in any kind of way because I think the biggest problem that, that they had was just lack of creation, any kind of you know paint threat, any kind of dynamism. Um, I think that's something that all the Raptors shot creators really struggle with is just getting to the paint, getting by guys, creating shots. Like they are the Raptors' best shot creators, but they're also really terrible at it. So. Uh, but but I think that spacing helps. But yeah, it, spacing it only helps so help. much. But it only helps so much because they're just not very good at it to begin with. So for sure. But when you're not having four guys in the paint, it's it's going to help a little bit. So we'll, yeah. we'll have to see. Yeah. But I, you know, as a pick, I think for a long term part of this rotation, Grady Dick has a very high floor in terms of like shooting at his size is always going to be fairly valuable. So I think even I think if he, it's hard Noah, to see him like not like at the bottom outcome, like not being like a consistent rotation player in his career. Yeah. And then yeah. the higher outcome is being like a good starter, I think. Where, exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, I think this is a solid safe pick in that he's going to have immediate value for this Raptors team and be a part of the core going forwards. A core in a loose term in terms of like, he's going to be getting minutes for this team. For yeah. He's going to be team controlled for like eight years and yeah. Hopefully you get yeah. a lot of good ones in there. Yeah. Ben, there was a lot of things that didn't happen on, on draft night for the Raptors. The Raptors weren't able to trade or weren't able, didn't try to, didn't want to trade their guys. Pascal Siakam kind of threw a wrench in there uh, by, you know, <laughs> I don't know, sabotaging the Raptors front office to some degree. Um uh, I know, I know we've been wanting this team to, to been blown up. I've been wanting it for two years. You've been wanting it for a year now, I would say maybe not quite a year. I won't give you that much credit. Um, <laughs> do you think that there were any real opportunities here uh, for, for this team or it was, it was holding Pat like the best thing to do and maybe free agency is a better time to, to press the reset button. <laughs> do you think the reset button is ever getting pressed here I, I don't think they even have a reset button i think they lost it at the trade dead <laughs> five time? years five years ago i don't know okay it feels like they are are too attached to this core and i feel like there's like some sort of like sunk cost element going on here where they're not getting the value back that they want for these players and so they're just not willing to trade them like so the ship is the ship has sailed at this point well, I don't okay. see how the, you're getting the, value from the anything. optimal time to trade them has sailed, right? But obviously, yeah. you could trade them. Like we saw, the Wizards just traded Beal and Porzingis and didn't get a whole lot back. Like you can always do that if you want to, right? Um, right. But the the optimal time, I think that that has sailed. We can agree on that. But that doesn't mean you still can't. You know, the second best time to act is, is when you should have. But the or the best time to act is when you should have. The second best time to act is now, right? So. Yeah, but at this point, (laughs) I think that they absolutely like. like, There's no Pascal does not come out and say that he's not going to resign somewhere else unless he feels like he's being shipped and traded and talked about. 
right? Yeah, I so think clearly there were certainly discussions. Yeah. I think there were certainly discussions. So they're, because, they're certainly thinking about it at least, right? Yeah, the, I think they were thinking about it. But at this point, given that Siakam will not extend with any team that trades for him, you're going to be getting like 20 cents on the dollar for him because it's a short-term rental for any team that's trading him. So like they're not going to be willing to give up much. Freddie's a free agent. <laughs> So, a you don't like you don't have any more control over him, and you can't trade mm-hmm. him. And then OG is the guy, but OG is also still young enough that he can fit with your young core if you're trying to rebuild. So, it's like if you're rebuilding, does it make sense to trade OG as the guy? And then if you're just dumping Siakam and Freddie for the sake of being bad, you don't have your pick this next year because you traded it for Pirtle. It's, it's top six protected. If you commit right. to being bad, you can keep that pick that's pretty high risk to like, if you're, if you fall in the lottery and all of a sudden you're seventh, like you lose you, you, if you get one of the worst two records in the league, you cannot go past six. Right. But do you think there's like the Raptors have a long ways to go to get to that bottom two record. And that is something that I think the team has no interest in doing is getting that bad, like just blatantly tanking like that. You're dumping everyone, but you're not going to be getting reasonable assets back. Like that just seems like such a big sacrifice. And also, like apparently, this draft isn't a great draft. There's no clear number one pick in this yeah, draft. Like, we, sure, some people might materialize, the, but like it doesn't make sense to do. We've it this seen that year. before with drafts that were really low quality, you know. And then, and then it turns out there's a bunch of good players in them. And we've seen drafts that are super hyped, and it turns out there's only a couple good players in them. Like I, I just, I just don't buy the. It's a weak draft. It's a weak draft means that, like, yeah, there's not Wembenyama and Scoot, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be all stars or all NBA players in it. They're just less obvious. But so I, I just, I just reject the idea that it's not a good year to tank because there's no good, there's no high level draft picks. It's just, it's just harder to find. Right, but you like this team. <laughs> like, I okay, I'm going to take the optimistic side here, play devil's advocate because I don't fully believe this. But if you do bring everyone back, they the front office can look at this team and be like, two seasons ago, we were a five seed. We have Scotty Barnes in coming into year three. There's a little bit more shooting off, coming off the bench here. Like this team might make more sense. Everyone is in their primes. Like no one is on the decline at this point. Siakam and Freddie, I wouldn't expect them to like regress at OG another year older enter like he's entering his prime i don't know if he has another step up on the on the curve for him but like everyone is in their prime or entering their prime does it make sense to really blow it up or do you give it another kick at the can with a brand new coaching staff that maybe is going to play a a more conservative defensive scheme that makes sense (laughs) um and like you know like just tweak things at the margins and hope something goes right here and you have a competitive team because right now the league is kind of wide open. Like <laughs> you can't you can't be talking with this team as a contender, Ben. Not like not at this stage. It's it's too early for that. But if Scotty Barnes takes, also if they, Scotty they, Barnes they, takes a jump, the Raptors can't trade a first round pick for the next for the following three years, right? So that makes it really hard to upgrade this roster as well. Yeah, but I don't think they're that far outside of like, I think the team can buy into the fact that like they should be a playoff team this next year, bringing everyone back. Like they'll have those expectations. And if a few things fall right, OG and Scotty take some jumps. Like, I don't think those things are really going to happen. But all of a sudden you're sniffing at the four seed, the three seed, maybe. I think I think this team things fall right in the playoffs. You look at what Miami did this last season and they're like, wait a second. Why can't we do that? They could absolutely get home court in the first round if, if things go right for them. They absolutely yeah. could. But they have zero playoff equity. They they will Look, they I will not have, they'll have like they the chances of them having the best player in a playoff series is virtually nil. The chances of them having the two best players in a playoff series is pretty close to nil. The chances of having the three best players in a playoff series, or one of the three best players, is like I don't like 50 50 like it's just no come on (laughs) what team has three better players than the Raptors guys 
Like Milwaukee could? No. Chris Middleton is washed. Boston, washed. Boston Chris could? Chris Porzingis, not good. Siakam He's is better, better than, than Porzingis. Raptors player last year. No, shut up. Siakam it's is true. better than Porzingis. I don't. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Philly, Tyrese Maxey's could be pretty good if, if Harden comes back and is, is decent. You're already, you're already projecting Tyrese Maxey to be better than Siakam. That's ridiculous. Come on. <laughs> Siakam's not that good. I know, I know you hate the Raptors, but like, let's 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 not go crazy here. So, okay. I mean, you this Miami, all really- if they if they if they trade for Dame, they're going to have three better players than the Raptors by a mile. I, I would say they would have three better players. I don't think it's by a mile. I, don't, I think Bam and Siakam are relatively comparable. That is in their value. That is bonkers. But, did you watch the playoffs, Ben? I did. Did you? Siakam wasn't in the playoffs, so it's hard to evaluate what he would have contributed on Who's that Miami Siakam team. Siakam in the playoffs, Ben? Yeah, he's a solid player. <laughs> Bam was great these playoffs. Bam was great these playoffs. But, okay, Aaron, this Raptors, it all hinges on Fred Van Vliet. Like if yeah, Fred if, he, comes back, if he leaves, this team is turbo fucked. But let's talk about the market for him because I thought there was two teams that really seemed poised to make a run at Fred VanVleet this offseason. Yeah. And that was Houston and Orlando. Both yeah. of them drafted guards, ball handling guards in this draft with high lottery picks. Amen yeah. Thompson for Houston and what the Anthony what, Black. Anthony Black, that's his name. Um, and Jet Howard. But he's not really a ball handler. Yeah. At it, least in yeah. the NBA. Yeah. So both those teams now all of a sudden have a glut of guards where it wouldn't really make sense for them to take a run at Fred Van Vliet and handicap the development of some of these young guys that presumably mm-hmm. they want to give touches to. <laughs> like Houston, yeah. you're looking at a team that has a lot of guys that need to get some touches now. And for sure. And sure. similarly for Orlando, all of a sudden they have Fultz, Suggs, Black. Like, there's a lot of guys here yeah, that Cole are Cole Anthony, Cole Anthony, yeah. like a lot of young guards. So, is the market for Fred Van Vliet really out there? Like, I think teams will still give him offers, but I kind of feel like the Raptors are in the driver's seat if they want to bring him back. Oh, I, I think they, they they absolutely are in the sense of like they they can make the best offer for Fred Van Vliet where things might go sideways a little bit is if Fred Van Leet doesn't want to come back. If he, if he just wants to change his scenery, he's sick of playing with Pascal fucking Siakam. Um, <laughs> you know, Scotty Barnes is really fucking annoying. You know, Gary Trent is a black hole. Like he, it is possible. He's just sick of this team. Right. And he wants something else. And, yeah, it's possible, but I bet he also <laughs> likes being the leader in the locker room of a team. And I don't think anywhere else he goes, he's going to be that. So Sacramento veteran. has thirty million of cap, uh, like in cap space. They can get even more than that if they want to. Yeah, but it makes no fucking sense for them to go after Freddie. Really? Zero. Zero. They've got Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox. They. Yeah. I, I, the room- Wouldn't he be like a great third guard with those guys? You like, want him coming like off Malik the bench Monk. for them? No, Malik Monk is like the bench guy still, right? But, you know, Freddie, sort of point of attack defense, like just turbocharging that that spacing offense. You know, I I could see uh, them wanting. A, like, I don't, that makes them really small at guard the, if you're the playing Lakers, him and Aaron Fox together. The Lakers can also put together, like if he wants to go play and live in LA and be a Los Angeles Laker, that could happen, especially if he's willing to take a discount. Yeah, I Freddie bets on himself, and I don't think that in, includes taking discounts. I think he's looking for money here, and I was worried about one of these teams with cap space giving him like thirty-five million a season. Yeah. Something that the mm-hmm. Raptors, I think the Raptors are going to do about thirty million, but thirty-five <laughs> is too rich. And but so like, I don't know, Indiana, Detroit, like they could they could be going after guards. Like, but but they both have lead guards. Where it's like, does it make sense to give Freddie all this money if he's not going to be one of your primary ball handlers? Like they have Halliburton. But he would. He could be with the bench, and and also like Freddie's a good off ball player. He's proven that in his career. Yeah, I just don't think you're giving him all that money unless he's going to be like your your leader in a sense. Like with Houston, Mm -hmm. it made sense. They desperately need leadership, but now all of a sudden it's like, eh, like you're going to be capping the development of some of these young guys if you bring him in 
and similarly with Orlando, like those just made sense. I, I don't see these other teams because they already have young guys who are also are their leaders at that same position. I don't know. I like the Spurs, maybe if they, if they think Wemby is going to be good right away, maybe they want a competent backcourt player to pair with them. Yeah. They're a team that's a possible Fred Van Vliet destination, but like that seems also like that's not on Wemby's timeline unless he really is elite right away. And it seems like kind of an unnecessary Mm. gamble to take, but yeah, if I was the Spurs, I'd want to, before doing anything, I'd want to see a few months of what Wemby can do right away. Because because yeah. if he's not great right away, I think tanking for another year makes a lot of sense to try to get some kind of talent around him, some young talent that'll develop with him. Uh, they have a few a few of those guys, but getting one more I think makes a lot of sense. So you're, you're right. There's you're right that the the draft complicated things a little bit for the Fred VanVleet market. Um, I don't think that it's like a death knell to Freddie you know leaving or getting a big offer from another team. But I do think it has reduced the chances of that happening. But yeah. also, like if if Houston or Orlando feels any kind of pressure to win now, like <laughs> those young guys aren't helping you win, right? And and having them, you know, take smaller roles off the bench, you know, playing in the G League, like it might be a little bit unconventional. But if they're trying to win now, those guys aren't helping, and they probably know that. Yeah, and Orlando is the team that I could see starting to feel like they're getting close. I think Houston, yeah. they just brought a new coach. <laughs> they the roster is all like 20-year-olds. I yeah. think for them they're like we we've got we've got a lot longer to figure this out. Orlando like Cole Anthony isn't that young. He's been in the league for a few years. They could feel like okay, it's time to move off him. Let's get Freddie in here and take that next jump and be like a borderline yeah, they could playoff also try team. To, they could also try to move off of Fultz. Like Anthony Black does a lot of the same things. Yeah. Um, and so if they trade a couple of their guards and suddenly, you know, the backup point guard is the rookie and Fred Van Vliet makes a lot of sense in terms of getting some spacing, some much needed spacing for this magic team. Cause like their biggest problem is like, you know, their, their fours and threes and fives can kind of shoot, but their guards can't really shoot. So, uh, yeah, that, you know that makes sense too so I, I i think that there's options out there for freddie but i do think if if he's interested in coming back to the raptors the raptors will be able to keep him yeah and i just from the vibes of like gary trent opting in siakam wanting to stick around toronto like, gary trent I think opting the, in the, hurts the chances of, of keeping no I, the thing is i think like the chemistry on the court wasn't good last season but like off the court, I feel like all of these guys are still friends and Freddie has deep roots in Toronto. Like, I think it's unlikely that he's like, yeah, I'm ready to pack it up and go on to a different destination unless he's not getting the contract that he wants from Toronto. And given that position, I think it's pretty like I'd be pretty surprised if he ends up on a different team after. I would agency. be too. I would be too. I just think it's. I just think it's possible still. Yeah, it's it's not non-zero, but at this point, it definitely seems the odds are heavily in the Raptors' favor. So I'm assuming he's going to be back. Which, like, I love Freddie. He's a good player, but you know the Pirtle extension, Gary Trent opting in, Fred VanVleet getting an extension, Siakam getting an extension. Like they're just they're just paying decent players a lot of money, like it's just it's so depressing. And speaking of depressing, Ben, I know we talked about this earlier, but we should probably announce it on the pod. It's very unlikely that we are going to be doing weekly Raptors review episodes for this upcoming season. This team, we we admitted it, we talked about it. Uh, we hated watching this team. It was it was a slog doing weekly episodes and having to watch every single fucking game of this team ruined my life. So that's a bold statement. (laughs) I didn't know this was that integral to your life, Aaron. It wasn't. I was, I was being hyperbolic, but (laughs) (laughs) it didn't improve. It didn't enrich my life at all. And I think we're, we're going to try to be a little bit more choosy about which games we watch. Cause I think there's gonna be a lot of shitty games with this team. Uh, and, and do maybe bi-weekly uh, episodes instead of weekly episodes. And this is, if you're a fan of this podcast, this is just consequences of the Raptors being shit. So mm-hmm. blame them, not us. 
Yeah. And you know what? It just it just makes each episode more juicy with content because it's not just the weekly, oh, the Raptors stink. We get every two weeks we'll be like, oh, the Raptors stink. Yeah. Yeah. It'll <laughs> be a little a little fresher shit instead of condense all the misery repeated. into yeah. more juicy nuggets. Ben, let's talk about the NBA as a whole. The Denver Nuggets kind of cleaned house with the Miami Heat in the finals 4-1. I thought they were clearly the better team. They didn't shoot well, but they they just dominated the Miami Heat as as I expected to some degree. Mm -hmm. If you're a Denver Nuggets fan, this is amazing. I think this is a great win for the NBA, a great result for the NBA. Having Jokic sort of validated and getting him out there to the public because the Denver Nuggets aren't a big a big market, but just seeing the way this guy plays basketball, it's so unique, so entertaining. But then also, I think, you know, this is this like you know the Bucks winning, the Raptors winning, like these small markets, so to speak, that are not the sort of the traditional NBA uh, powerhouses. I think is great for the league in that you know I think a lot of teams feel like anyone can win. And the, this Nuggets win kind of reinforced that, like you don't need this, you know, juggernaut of a defense and you know playing mobile shot blocking centers and you know it's like you could win anyway as long as you have lots of good players. So I thought that was that was really cool. That was really fun. Uh, I think the Nuggets are going to be a force to be reckoned with if they're healthy. I feel like they should be the favorites for the next few seasons if they're healthy. So uh, I feel I think people are kind of maybe overestimating how wide open it is because how how good this Nuggets team is. And I think they're only going to get better. They don't really have anyone that's on the downward aging curve. So, yeah, I I was really impressed with this team. They're just huge. It's, it's fun to watch. Yeah, and the big doubt for them coming into the season, the big question mark was Jamal Murray's health. And I think he he gave a resounding answer to that in the playoffs. That yeah, he was back. great. Yeah, <laughs> you know he, he, he had some bad games, but in the finals, in the conference finals, like he was so consistent. He was he did a wonderful job. Yeah, there was a lot more good games than bad, and you know but, he answered a lot of questions about whether he could be the second guy to Jokic's MVP level stature. And I think I thought absolutely yes. I thought the biggest question for the Nuggets was would their defense be able to survive with Jokic. And yeah, they did a great job. They they were very connected. Jokic, you know, has really like he doesn't. He's just really cut down on the mistakes that he makes. He doesn't give up a ton of easy baskets. He manages to contest things at the rims with or at the rim without fouling a lot. Like he's able to stay on the floor. He was able to like not get slaughtered in the pick and roll. And that's really all this team needed because they're so big and athletic around him. Yeah, yeah, Yo- Jokic. <laughs> Like Jokic is the best player on the planet at this point. I think yeah, it's not close. Season, it's not it's close. Like, yeah, like I mean, Giannis when he's healthy, it's is, not close. You there's can put, an argument there. You there's can put an argument anyone there, around Jokic, but, anyone, and you're gonna have like one of the best offenses in the league. Like any lineup, yeah. And he's but gonna with, be with Jokic being like an okay, yeah. like okay to solid defender now. It's just like okay, yeah, like there's not this obvious thing that you can attack. And yeah, he's definitely the best offensive player on the planet. And yeah, I think Denver, barring injuries, is going to be. I don't know if they're a juggernaut like the the dynasty stuff. Like they've won one championship. Like the Bucks after they won their championship, I think a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, like you know, how, how is any team going to beat this team? It's like Phoenix has gone all in. Like there's going to be other teams that are competitive with denver yeah i don't think they're on a tier quite above everyone else just yet like where it's not like golden don't state you, don't you see i can see them getting there though like i think they're definitely going to be the favorites going into next season and they should be but it's like you you have to it's so hard to win <laughs> in the nba like you, a lot of things have to still go right for you even when you're the best mm-hmm. team right yeah and yeah. so it's just like I don't think other teams should be changing their game plans for competitiveness like they did when the no, Warriors were no. the super team. We're like, ah, oh, we're just yeah, keep when, holding our assets. Yes, yes. You if, know, like if Kevin Durant goes to the Nuggets, yeah, sure, do that. But, um, but like that—that that was the situation which everyone else just kind of like held their cards and didn't play anything, right? Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't say they're that level. 
but I feel like they're they're clearly the most talented team in the league. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they talent and chemistry like this team all fits together like Aaron Gordon. Oh, it's so easy to question around Jokic. Is she that, can... that trade that trade worked yeah. out so well for them. For like, sure, it's a for perfect sure. complimentary yeah. player. You know, he had some, he had some, like, he had some bad series, but then he also had a couple of really good series. And, you know, I think him, his mental game has been like, he really sorted out his mental game. You know, he no longer cares about stats, having the ball in his hands. He just want to make winning. He just wants to make winning plays now. And that's sort of the attitude they need from him. And he's like a wonderful weapon to, to do that with. And, you know, Jamal Murray has all the confidence in the world, and I, I feel like he's he's healthy now. I think he's a really good bet to like try to make an All NBA team next year. You know, solidify his legacy, so to speak, in the league as like as a Hall of Famer and whatnot. Like, you know, Jokic has already done that, but just everything. It's so easy to fit around Jokic if you're a good basketball player, and you can do any, like anything that you're good at. Jokic will help you do so. Like in in that sense, just getting good players around Jokic is all that really matters. Yeah, I kind of like that Jamal Murray has never made an All Star team, never made All NBA, yeah. but then he's in a the playoffs every player, year. Yeah. Like his points per game just jump by ten, and he's just yeah. this absolute monster in the playoffs. But the regular season, he's like, yeah. ah, I'm good. I'll just get I'll just get twenty a game and just yeah. ride on Jokic's coattails, and then boom, yeah. come in the fourth time. quarter, we'll we'll do our two man game for five minutes and win the game. But you know, for the first thirty six minutes, yeah. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a nice little like NBA subplot when you like look back 20, 30 years from now. You're like, man, like how did the Denver Nuggets win? Like they they had one guy in Jokic, and it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought you know this just getting the 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 playoff experience for the rest of the guys too, like Michael Porter Jr. I think he really unlocked some things that are, that is going to help him be like Aaron Gordon. His shot was not falling in the finals, even though he is an elite shooter, but he made a difference on the boards, you know, blocking shots, just cutting, like running in transition. Like he, he sort of tapped into be like, okay, if my shot's not falling, I can do these other things. And he did those really well. And I think those are, those are the kind of lessons that can really stick with you as a player. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I expect, you know, a good year from him next year as well in terms of like, I think he's sort of mentally cro- hurdled some barriers as well. Yeah, it showed a lot of mental toughness, not just totally falling apart when he couldn't hit like 30 shots in a row. Yeah. So, yeah, def- definitely. I think this team is going to be really scary. But in the Eastern Conference, Aaron, where our dear, dear Raptors play, things are kind of falling apart a little bit, just a little bit. The Celtics, what, yeah, they they traded Marcus Smart to they lost the, the Memphis heart and soul of their team. Yeah, traded for Kristaps Porzingis, who is the opposite of heart and soul in any kind of way. A huge injury risk. Now all three of their big men are two of them are huge injury risks, and one is thirty eight years old. And then they also have no passing. Marcus Smart was yeah. their best point guard in terms of passing ability and setting guys up. The big the, the big flaw of their team was this consistent shot creation and passing ability, moving the ball. I, th- I thought the big flaw was like just they they couldn't get into the paint. Like it's it's super like they just don't have yeah. a lot of good good paint pressure, uh, and Kristaps Porzingis is not solving that issue. Marcus Smart was a little bit, and then defensively, their flexibility is now like Marcus Smart was a switch everything guy. He could you could put him on bigs that, and then they'd come up and set the pick, and you switch right. He could guard pretty much anyone in the post aside from like Joel Embiid and Jokic. But now you have Kristaps Porzingis. You if he's on the floor, you have to play drop coverage, which I feel like they're becoming the Milwaukee Bucks on defense a little bit. Just that when you know that you know that that Bucks defense against hot shooting has gotten you know twice against the Miami Heat when they've shot well has been slaughtered. Yeah, it's kind I, of I, a high variance defense where it works until yeah. you run into a buzzsaw of shooting. <laughs> yeah, and now you don't really have good options to do different schemes. I think in the regular season it's probably going to work very very well. In the playoffs, 
I don't know that that versatility was a big weapon that the Celtics had. Like they beat the Raptors in that one series, mostly because they had mm-hmm. extremely versatile defense. I like, I, Look, I question this. It's a talent upgrade for sure. Yeah. I think but, they're still the most talented team in the East, but like that's on paper. Cause you look at their guards now and it's yeah. Derek white and Malcolm Brogdon and Malcolm Brogdon. They tried to trade him. How's that going to affect his psyche? But yeah. also they couldn't trade him because of huge injury concerns. And so what does that mean? What is Malcolm Brogdon going to look like next season? I don't know what the injury is. What Apparently what it, was, it was a wrist injury that they like basically like couldn't get the documentation for or like agree on like what it was or something like that. So it was it wasn't like a knee or hip injury, but like he had an injury in the playoffs and like I think he played through it a bit. But it's like, did, did it need surgery or not? So instead, the deal just fell apart. Yeah, well, yeah, like he was injured in the playoffs and couldn't shoot. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, it's, I mean, it sounds like it's probably not a nothing injury if a deal that was at the finish line fell apart because yeah. of it. Yeah. So, you know, there's concerns about Malcolm Brogdon for next year. So you're looking at just Derek White, potentially Peyton Pritchard, although there's been a lot of smoke about Peyton Pritchard wanting to be traded from this team. So like, I, you know, there's there's some chemistry concerns here and Marcus Smart was the leader of this team like even though he wasn't their best player he was the guy that was the connective tissue here so uh, it's a risky trade I think from the Celtics like I think they needed to switch things up but there's there's definitely some downside concerns here for them with Philadelphia is James Harden staying he's going to be another year older that team just seems like this was their chance this year and who knows where they're going. The Bucks are another year older. So like the top of the East is kind of crumbling a little bit. Miami Heat again, Lowry and Butler getting another year older. Like yeah. how much juice do they have in the tank for another big playoff run? For sure. For sure. I, things are things are kind of open in the East. They are. They are. I, I totally agree with that. Um I think they're, you know, outside of Denver, like there's just a, the league is in a state of flux, right? The Warriors are trading for Chris Paul. The Suns are trading for Bradley Beal. The Grizzlies are trading for Marcus Smart. Like, you know, there's just there's just a huge amount of volatility going on. The Blazers feel like at any month now, like Damian Lillard's going to ask for a trade. Uh you know, like they're they're caught sort of like in a Warriors S situation where they have Scoot Henderson and Shaded Sharp on their team, but also trying to win now. Uh, yeah, the, the, a lot of the good teams are. You know, the Lakers have like two guys on the roster for next season right now. So, yeah, it's hard. It, the league, like, it could go anywhere aside from the Denver Nuggets being a rock. Yeah, it, it feels like the West is loading up with Phoenix and yeah. Memphis seeming like they're ready to really seriously try and compete here. Uh, the East, on the other hand, you know, I think that we might be getting back to imbalanced conferences. I feel like for a <laughs> yeah, while there, the, we were... East, the last couple of years has been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the West for the longest time was the superior conference. It might be going back that way again, especially with, you know, Durant leaving. I don't know if Beal leaving really counts, but, you know, Marcus Smart leaving. Um, yeah, we'll have to see how the rest of free agency plays out. There's not a ton of huge free agents this season, so I wouldn't expect too, too much to happen. It feels like Freddie is one of the biggest ones. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the thing that's going to be most interesting with free agency is I don't think we have a good calibration of what the market is going to be like with the new CBA. I think we could see a lot of really unexpected things happening um with different teams having vastly different sort of visions of what they want to do under the new cba like we saw the suns you know basically saying fuck the aprons and you know they're going to spend a billion dollars a year Uh, but then uh, i think most other teams are like pretty terrified of that so yeah Yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see i didn't think the suns would go for it like that but they did yeah the suns have new ownership syndrome and are just making crazy moves so yeah they have no draft picks left they, this is like what the nets did when they yeah. got their russian the oligarch off. yeah 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 and it came back to haunt them speaking <laughs> so of I, russian owners there's a coup going on right now yeah that is extremely spicy yeah 
who knows if there will be a world next week <laughs> yeah true this is a country that has nukes yeah the, sec- the, most, the most nukes, nukes in, the, in world. the world yeah <laughs> going yeah. to possibly a hot dog salesman we'll see yeah we shall see with that being said free agency starts about exactly one week from now july 1st Aaron, you and I are going to be off on vacation, gallivanting around BC, celebrating one of our other brothers getting married. Who has never emailed this podcast, by the way. Never emailed this podcast. He doesn't really watch a lot of basketball, so you know we can't can't be too hard on him for that. Although you know that's oh. a big red flag right there in and of itself. Yeah, um, I can't believe we're even going to this wedding, to be honest. But you know, sacrifices for family. Yeah. <laughs> real sacrifices here yeah we Um, are noble noble gentlemen so our free agency we're definitely going to do another podcast this summer reacting to free agency and all the moves or lack of moves that happen but it won't be happening till probably mid to later july yeah mid-july i would expect that and then there's also you know we'll do a season preview when things ramp up that way and we'll, we'll be back for the new season it'll just be a little less frequent than normal because again blame the raptors although if they, this, this team wins like 50 games i could see us doing weekly again this all hinges on scotty barnes scotty barnes if you're listening to this if you want us to keep doing podcasts please 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 take a leap next season could you imagine please. if scotty barnes was the secret listener to this podcast <laughs> And then he just I would, decided I would, to take a leap because of that message. We I had an feel integral part. Pretty bad for sleep. a lot of things I've said. <laughs> yeah, you should. <laughs> He's only listening because of me, Aaron. I'm the only <laughs> believer here. All right. With that being said, we're gonna sign off for now. We'll be back in a few weeks. Hopefully, free agency goes smoothly. Uh, you know, I, there's no hope left for this Raptors team. It is what it is. We're we're. Going I'm excited down for the new path. coaching staff. I'm excited for the new coaching yeah. staff. They don't have a we'll lot to work with, but yeah. I watched. I'll give a quick shout out to Open Gym. They had a little great little segment on Darko introducing him as coach. Just get a little glimpse into him and his personality. It's nice to see Open Gym consistently delivering quality Raptors content probably better quality than this podcast to be honest but that's neither here nor there we're ending now not a high bye everyone all right yeah